0: you have your Bibles, if you would open to Daniel chapter 10. We will continue our study through the book of Daniel. Um, the, the way this is going to look is, is, in reality, Daniel chapter 10 through 12 is, is really all one section. Um, today, we're just going to look at chapter 10. Next week, Gary is going to finish up uh, the, the book of Daniel. I know that uh, we will... Most of us will be at family camp, but that will be recorded, and so I think it's important for us to to listen to that. Um, so, so this is one unit, and there's so much in this text in chapter ten that I wanted to uh, that, that I think is encouraging to us. That I wanted to take this chapter uh, and to look at it. Now, what you'll need to know is that this section ten through twelve is is uh, is you kind of have a, a prologue of. this angel, this messenger visiting Daniel, and then at the end you have this charge, and in the middle is a vision. And the vision that's in the middle is really just an expanding of the vision that we got in chapter 8 with more detail. Uh, and, And not only is there more detail, but it goes further into the future and mentions the resurrection from the dead and the end of times. And so ultimately... This prophecy that Gary will talk more about next week is a prophecy that tells us that God's people are going to suffer. They're going to suffer more, but that suffering will one day come to an end, and God will reign, and He will resurrect His people from the dead, and they will spend their life eternally with Him. But today, we're not going to get all into that. We're going to look at the lead into this prophecy. And one of the things that you see as you look at Daniel chapter 10 is that Daniel is in great distress. Let's read verses 1 through 5. It says In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the message was true. And the message was one of great conflict. Your versions may say of great warfare. But he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. Now... As we jump into this, there are several important things in this, in this introductory uh, these introductory verses that we need to know. Now, the first thing is this: and the math is much easier this week than last week. Okay, so I saw some of you bring in calculators. We won't need them that that much this morning. But the first thing that we see is in the third year of Cyrus. And so, what we know about the third year of Cyrus is this: is after. This is after many or some of the people had gotten to go back to Jerusalem and had started to rebuild the temple. The problem was, and one of the reasons that Daniel was so distressed, is that this rebuilding of the temple was not going well. God's people were being pestered by their neighbors, and really the building project had come to a halt. So things weren't going well. Daniel was discouraged. Uh, another thing that's interesting is that it wasn't as if when the people got to go back to Jerusalem that at this time a large number went back to rebuild the temple. In fact, a very few went. And you may ask, why did only a few people go if they had been in captivity for so long? And uh, there's one quote that says, um, uh, it, it it's easy to get the people out of Babylon, but it's hard to get the Babylon out of people. That they had grown accustomed to Babylon. They had grown accustomed to captivity. They had grown accustomed to these ways. And so going back to Jerusalem, going back to build, rebuild the temple and rebuild the city was not attractive to them. There's also a question here of why wasn't Daniel there? And we have no idea. Some people speculate he was 85 years old, and some of you who may be in your 80s is like, yep, that's a hard journey. Not signing up to rebuild a temple at that age. Others say that, you know, maybe what was going on was that God needed Daniel, wanted Daniel there um, in Babylon still, that there was still work to do. The truth of the matter is, we have no idea. But what we do know is that Daniel is here, he's still in Babylon, and he is greatly distressed what i figured as well (laughs) it's kind of like the modern day amen app (laughs) you can go online and there's going to be another url code that when a good point is made amen Uh, so notice notice a couple of things that i want you to see as we as we look at his morning It says, in those days I had been mourning for three entire weeks. Now, if we were to jump on down to verse 4, notice this, that he gives us an exact date. He says, on the 24th day of the first month, that would have been the month of Nisan. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river. So, if we did the math, and we won't do math this morning... What we know is that two very important festivals had been taking place and why these two very important festivals are taking place, we find Daniel in mourning and in fasting, Passover and the feast of the unleavened bread. And I just think it's interesting and understand this, that at this time when they are supposed to be celebrating God's deliverance, God's rescuing them out of captivity, God's Um, delivering them and putting them into the promised land. At this time when these people are supposed to be celebrating this, Daniel is in such a state that he's there and that he's mourning. And he's not taking uh, he's he's not eating any extra or good foods or anything like that. The other thing that we see that he is doing, and you may say, what in the world is that? Is that in verse 3 it says that he also did not use any ointment. And Ointment or oils in this day were used for several things. One would, uh, that they would be used to protect the skin from the sun. The other is, uh, it was kind of a deodorant. So what we know is that Daniel was stinky, disheveled, hungry. He's in a bad way. He's in a bad way. And we know why he is in a bad way. And it told us in verse 1 because he believed that the message of God was true and one of great warfare and conflict. Now, notice as we get into verses 5 through 9, notice his response. So he's, he's on the, in verse 5, he's on the bank of the river, and he sees this, this uh, he lifts his eyes, and there was a certain man there in verse 6. His body also was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and his feet, like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. While the men who were there with me did not see the vision, nevertheless a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and yet no strength was left in me. For my natural color my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words. And as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. So notice his response as he is there and he is already in great mourning. And he's there and he is seeing this man and he falls. And he is devastated. Now I want to take just a brief parenthesis This morning, and ask if any of you are there. Are, Are any of you in this place of deep mourning and deep distress in your life? You see, we're not promised that things are going to go well for us in this life, and so one of the things that I know that in a room this large with this many people, that some of you come in here with burdens and with troubles, and you are distressed. Where did you turn? Where should you turn? Where will your strength come from? Many people, when they describe troubles, when they describe mourning, when they describe distress to me, they describe it in waves of like, in waves, of like waves on an ocean. That they already feel like they're drowning and then just another wave comes upon them. This morning as we look here in this book, in this chapter, we're going to see Daniel being comforted and we're going to see that he's comforted by two things this morning and I want us to take note of this because I think as God's people, God comforts us in much of the same way. And the first thing we're going to see in a moment is that God, Daniel is comforted When God reveals his love for him. And the second thing, the second thing that we're going to see is that Daniel is comforted as God gives him a glimpse into the spiritual world and when Daniel comes to even a greater understanding that God is fighting for him and for his people. Now, as we jump back into the text, many people have asked, who in the world is this man in verses 5-9? through And the answer is, we have no idea. People speculate all sorts of things, like this is Jesus, this is God, this is Gabriel. We have no idea. I think the best explanation um, is that it may may be a cherubim. It it sounds an awful like uh, the description of a cherubim that we find in the book of Ezekiel. But what we do know is this is a messenger from God that God sent to Daniel because he loved Daniel and he wanted to comfort Daniel. And the first thing that we're going to see As he is comforting Daniel, notice, as I read these verses in a moment, notice God's love for Daniel. Now, we're not going to see that necessarily in verse 10, 10, but we'll see it in verses 11 through 12. In verse 10, what we see is what happens when a man is confronted from a messenger from heaven. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Daniel is in a humbled position. And then listen, listen Listen as this messenger talks to Daniel. And listen to what he is saying about Daniel. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem. Now this word high esteem, it's interesting. It means greatly loved or desired or treasured or valued. We're going to see it later in this chapter, and we also saw it in chapter 9, verse 23. Daniel was described this way. O oh, Daniel, man who is desired, who is greatly treasured, understand the words I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. So the second thing that we see is that God sent this messenger to Daniel out of his love and care for him. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before God, notice this, your words were heard, and I have come in response to you. So Daniel was told here that he's greatly loved. He's told to not be afraid, that this angel has come to you for your comfort He has told him that your words have been heard, your petitions, your crying out to God. They've been heard and that God has acted. God has sent an angel to him. Now, let's jump ahead and notice in verses 14 through 16, we find Daniel again getting to a place of discouragement. Verse 14, Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. And notice what happens when Daniel starts to understand this vision. He said, when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face to the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, Oh my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me and I have retained no strength. Again Daniel is troubled because he sees and understands this vision. And this vision is so difficult for him that again we find him we find him with no strength, no breath. And then in verse 18 and 19, then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. And he said, "Notice again, O man of high esteem, same word one who is desired, who is treasured, who is loved, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be create. be courageous. Now as soon as He spoke to me, I received my strength and said, "May the Lord speak, for you have strengthened me." So he encouraged him again. One of the things, brothers and sisters, that I think we need to get and to learn from this text is that when God sends a messenger to someone in the Bible and tells them, you are greatly loved and you are greatly esteemed, I think we need to ask the question, why? Because I hope one of the things that you come in here this morning saying is, I want to be a man or woman that God would look at and say, you are greatly loved, desired, and esteemed. Now, The other reason I think this is important is that as God is comforting Daniel here, He's comforting him and He's noticing these characteristics. And so I want us to know these as well. And I think there are three things that we can get from verse 12 and from the rest of the book about Daniel's character that I want to jump into really quickly. First, notice in verse 12. He says, Do not be afraid. From, from, from the first day you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. The first thing that I want you to see is notice that Daniel was a man that humbled himself before God. Reading this book, we know very clearly that Daniel knew who this God was and who he was in relation to this God. This humbled Daniel. It put him in the right position. Think about this. All around Daniel were the most powerful men of the world. And as Daniel is there, what does God do to the men in power? Specifically Nebuchadnezzar. He humbles them. And what I think is amazing, I think if I were Daniel, I would struggle with pride. I think I would struggle with, yet see what God did to you? I'm God's man. But yet what we see is that Daniel here in this text, and we see Daniel over and over and over again, that Daniel knew his position. He knew where his strength came from. He knew where his wisdom came from. He knew on whom he was dependent. And he also knew that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So the first thing that we see is Daniel is humble. The second thing that we see is that, and this is evident all throughout this text and evident here in this text, is that Daniel believed that God's Word was true. Daniel had faith in God's Word. If Daniel didn't have faith that God's Word was true, would he be trembling and in fear? No. And we see all throughout the book of Daniel, we see Daniel acting on God's Word. Whether he's reading that Word In the book of Jeremiah, or whether he's getting a revelation from the Lord, we see Daniel acting on this word. From the very beginning, Daniel decided to eat no meat, and he knew this may cost him his life. Daniel had faith, and his faith acted. He then stepped in and interpreted the king's dream. Later, he had faith in God and faith in God's word, and that took him to the... Lion's Den. Daniel's life was a life of faith, of trusting on and living in God's Word. The third thing I think we see here in verse 12: Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this, that you set your heart on understanding this, Daniel was determined to understand. God's word. This was not a bullheaded confidence, but this was a confidence from knowing God's word and that God's word was true. Many, many weeks ago, when we were talking about Daniel and we were talking about him knowing God's word, if you remember, I quoted someone who said something kind of like this that Daniel defines life by God's word. Daniel didn't let life define God's word to him. We understand that? Daniel looked at God's word and said this is life versus looking at his circumstances and then going to the Bible and, and, and letting life and circumstances define God's word. He was a student of that word. And he looked at it and he thought about it and he chewed on it and he prayed through it. We see over and over and over Daniel fulfilling all three of these things in his life. And this angel, this messenger, looks at Daniel and says to him, You are greatly loved. And gives these characteristics in this verse. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears attend their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We see that God here is loving Daniel and sees Daniel as righteous and sees Daniel as seeking his will and sees Daniel as humble. And we see what God did in response. Not only did he hear Daniel's prayer, but he responded to his prayer. Now, you, brother, sister, if you are a Christian, do you know that you are loved by God? I hope it's the desire of your heart as a, as a believer to hear today, well done, my good and faithful servant, in your acts of humility, in your acts of faith, in your acts of determination to hear God's Word. Now, I don't mean by this that, that if we're struggling with this that God doesn't love you anymore or you're earning His favor. But I think one of the things that's key here is that if you want to receive God's love, if you want to understand how much God loves you, if you want to see God's word for you, you have to be in the right posture. You have to be humble. You have to know and hear His word. Daniel was comforted by God's love. And God heard his prayer and sent this messenger. Now, the second thing that we see, and this is where this gets a little weird, so just hang on. Is that Daniel was comforted in knowing that God was fighting for him and his people. Let's go back to verse 12. Look at the latter half of verse 12 and into verse 13. And I have come, the angel has come in response to your words, And then notice this. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for twenty-one days. Then, behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now, what in the world is this talking about? This is talking about spiritual warfare. When it says the prince of Persia, this is talking about a demonic force that's called the prince of Persia. And this messenger uh, was delayed in coming to Daniel because he was fighting this prince. And then he says... And Michael, another angel, came and helped me. Look again at verses twenty uh, through eleven one. Then he said, "Do you understand why I came to you? But now, but I shall now return and fight against the prince of Persia." I'm going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth, yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose to be an encouragement and a protection for him. So we see this messenger telling him and engaging Daniel and and giving Daniel a peek into this supernatural realm where... Angels are fighting. And they're fighting um, what has been called territorial spirits that are attached to to some countries. Now, really odd, right? (laughs) What I want you to notice is notice that when he's talking about these princes, he's talking about the prince of Persia. So a spirit attached to Persia. He's talking about a spirit attached to Greece that will come. Notice that these, these countries... Uh, These nations are in the prophecy of Daniel. And then notice also, and you may not get this because you have not dug around in your Hebrew and in your Hebrew lexicons, but when he talks about Michael, your prince, that word there, your, is in the plural. Right? So what this is not talking about is that we don't... We don't Michael is not Daniel's guardian angel. What we see is that Michael is the angel is the messenger that has been attached to Israel to protect them and to fight for them. God has sent this to fight him to fight for them and protect them during these days and during these times. Now you may be asking, "What in the world is going on here?" And you're not alone. Whatever is going on here, it is meant to comfort Daniel. It is meant to comfort Daniel. Now one of the things that we have to know is that there is a reality that's in play here that I think we don't talk about too often. And the reality that is in play is that there is a spiritual realm. And we could spend a whole sermon on this and This would interest many of us, including myself, but I'm just going to give you just a couple of verses that point to the spiritual realm. In Matthew 26, 53 through 54, Jesus is speaking here. Notice what Jesus says. Or do you not think that I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? In the book of Hebrews, uh, many things are said about angels in the book of Hebrews, and I have lost my place. but So at one place in the book, here we go, found it. In the book of Hebrews, in the first chapter. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Notice this. He's talking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Later in chapter 2, verse 7. You have made him, talking about you have made him, for a little while, lower than angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor. And then in Revelation, we see angels in Ephesians chapter 6. This is the most famous verse, and we're gonna, we'll come back to this a little bit later. But in Ephesians chapter 6, he tells Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, your battle is not against what? Flesh, flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. But it's, it's against powers. It's against forces. Darkness. Spiritual forces. Now, one of the things that I find interesting here, because now you may be freaked out a little bit and saying, okay, what's going to happen next, Lewis? Are you going to have an exorcism here and make sure that there's not a territorial spirit hanging around the church or whatever? One of the things that I find interesting here is that Daniel is never told to pray out a territorial spirit. Do you notice that? In fact, what is Daniel told? What, these, what does this messenger tell Daniel? He tells him, be strong. Be courageous. I am fighting for you. Isn't this interesting? In Ephesians chapter 6, where I think we're giving given the most clear definition of what true spiritual warfare looks like. In verse 10, notice this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the defense of His might. What Daniel is being told here and what we are being told and what we know is that there is a spiritual realm, there is a war that's going on, and God is in control. You may say, Lewis, okay, where do you see that today? And I would say, I think we see it all over the place. When you look at a place like North Korea, when you look at a place like Iran, where God's people are being persecuted, where God's people are being um, murdered, where God's people are being martyred, that there is a dark spiritual force and there is a battle that is raging. And if you talk to missionaries in these places, and there are missionaries in this room that could tell you this as well, it's evident. And the courage that they take is that God has said that these spiritual forces will not overcome His church. Stand up, be strong, be of courage, move forward. And you may say, well, what about America? I have no idea. But I would bet that there is a spiritual attack and spiritual forces that are against us in America right now. This age of secularism that we live in, uh, when you watch TV shows, when you watch the news, when you listen to the media, there is a spirit that's a demonic force that seems to be in place that is just wreaking havoc on Christians in America and luring them into a sleep. It may not be a persecution yet that is threatened with violence and this sort of thing, but there is an oppression, I feel, and we are under attack. And so you may say, okay, Lewis, well then what in the world do I do? And Thank you for asking that question because we are told in Ephesians chapter 6. And as I read this, I want you to hear, I want you to think about Daniel as I read this. Okay? I want you to think about Daniel as I read this. Paul gives us, when I have people come in and talk to me about spiritual warfare, I point them to Ephesians chapter 6 because this is where Paul tells us how, how to overcome, how to stand in spiritual warfare. And listen and hear Daniel in this text finally be strong in the Lord and strengthen his might so God is fighting for you God is fighting for you be strong put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers dark rulers against powers against the world forces of the dark this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore therefore Take up the full armor of God that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Did Daniel stand on truth? Absolutely. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness... Did Daniel live in such a way that he was, we could see Daniel wearing this breastplate of righteousness? Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Daniel knew full well that God was making a way for salvation. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf. Pray on my behalf. We see Daniel in these verses one more New Testament verse that I want us to look at first John chapter 4 1 John chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 and I think this is part of the prophecy that Gary will talk about next week coming true and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard That it is coming and is now already in the world. But notice this. Notice this. You are from God. Little children. And have what? Have overcome them. Because greater is He who is in you than he that is in the world. Stand firm. Take Courage, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and he that is in you is fighting for you. This is the courage of Daniel and this is the courage that you and I can have and we need to take courage in this. That his Holy Spirit is in us. That his son has defeated Satan on the cross. And that his son will come back again and deliver the final blow and usher us in to his kingdom. Now, you may say this morning. You know, Lewis, that's all fine and dandy. That's all fine and dandy. And you know what if an angel showed up to me, then I'd feel better about my circumstances too. Now, first thing I want to tell you is that if an angel showed up here this morning, you'd respond much like Daniel. I I don't know if you want to ask for that. <laughs> When we see angels show up in the New Testament, we see people fearful. So you better be a little careful. The second thing is this. Over Daniel's 85 years, how many times did he have visitors, angels, messengers? One of the things that happens when we read the Bible, especially a short book like Daniel, is that we get caught into this trap that this happened like boom, 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 boom. In reality... It's quite possible that Daniel lived his life with only a handful of times when an angel or a messenger or a vision showed up to him. The third thing is this, third and fourth thing, vitally important. You have two things, these are the third and fourth things, that Daniel didn't have, and you need to be thankful Number one, we have God's completed Word. The very fact that we could read from 1 John and from the book of Ephesians is a miracle. And so God, in strengthening and encouraging you in times of trouble, when we go to Him, if you're saying, I wish I had an angel, He said, you have something much greater. You have my very Word in your hands. Open it. Read it. Know it. The other thing is this. Notice in that verse in 1 John what we said. Daniel, when he was this angel visited him, notice as Daniel was interacting with this angel, it was like me and Gary hanging out, except much more fearful. Gary's not very intimidating. Notice in 1 John... It says, He that is what? In you. Brother and sister, take courage. Take courage. We don't need a visitation from an angel because you have the Holy Spirit of God. God's very Spirit living inside you. So just to end, again... The goal here that the angel is telling Daniel is that God will deliver his people. He will make a way. And we on this side of the cross know that he has made that way, Jesus Christ, in coming and reconciling us to God and forgiving of our sins. And he will come again. Jesus, our head, has defeated Satan and will defeat him finally once and for all. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, let us take courage in knowing that we are loved by God. And let us also take courage that no matter what wave comes our way, no matter what oppression or circumstance comes our way, we know that we have a God in heaven that is fighting for us and has given us all the tools that we need to stand firm and take courage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this word here in the book of Daniel. God, I know that at times people have used this passage to go on to uh, speculations about things um, and taken taken this and then run wild. And God, we may get to heaven and some of those wild speculations may be true, but God, we want to stick to your word. And we want to lean on this word and to know that the reason that you gave Daniel the glimpse into the spiritual world was so that he would know you would know that you cared for him and that you were fighting for him and for his people. God, we know that you are still fighting for your church. God, let us take courage from that. Let us stand firm and help us to be bold. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. So we